Welcome to Literally, the podcast where we literally take you through the entire process of building a business and creating a lit up life. I'm your host, Lacey Seitz, business mentor and success coach for high-performing women that want to live a lit up life while creating the impact and income they desire in their business. I bring my unique education and expertise to the table to help my clients create big results and move through big blocks. What makes this podcast so unique is that you'll hear one client's weekly coaching sessions for six months. These are recordings of our actual coaching sessions, so you'll see their unique challenges and strategies, their ups and downs, and their wins and losses. You'll also get to hear exactly how I coach them through it. I'm so excited for you to join us on this behind-the-scenes journey and gain insight into building your own lit-up life and the business that you desire. All right, guys, welcome to season eight. I am so excited for you guys to meet our season eight coachee. I have been just like chomping at the bit to do this and to get this out to you. So we actually, usually when we like choose a podcast person, we announce it quite quickly. And because of sort of like timeline of different things, we haven't. So I have been like on like the edge of my seat, like wanting to tell people for like, gosh, what, over a month at this point, maybe two, it'll be two months, I think. So just so excited to finally do this, excited for you to get to meet our amazing season eight coachee and for you to get to know Angie. She is going to bring such a different perspective, I think, well, I know, than we've ever had on Literally. Um, We will dive into that today, but I feel like it is going to serve the audience in an entirely new way. And I'm just really excited for y'all to get to know her. So welcome, Angie. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. It's so lovely to be here. Thank you for the lovely welcome. Also, you guys are welcome because you get to listen to her amazing accent for (laughs) the entirety of this season. So there you go. (laughs) It's just an absolute pleasure. I'll try and be as posh as I possibly can be. Bring us all the posh vibes. Okay. We love it. Okay. So let's just, you know, dive in with the basics. Like tell us about you. Tell us about your story, how you got here, how you kind of began this business journey that you are on. Yeah. Great. So my name is Angie Brown and I am a diversity, equity and inclusion consultant and a coach. And I work largely with people in the education sector, in the independent education sector and in the state funded education sector. And most of my clients come from the UK as well. My client base started in the UK and that was because I was an educator for 20 something years. I was an English teacher and then I became eventually, you would call them school principals, we call them head teachers, yes. head mistresses. And I was a head teacher across a range of different kinds of settings. So I had a really strange leadership journey even when I was a head teacher. I kind of did a bit of this and I did a bit of that. And I was one of those people that didn't want to be pinned down to a particular type of school. Mm. So I worked in really challenging schools. And I worked in the special educational needs sector. And I set up a Waldorf Steiner school. And I, I've done all of the different jobs. And I um, kind of towards the end of my third headship, so the end of my second headship, I also decided that I was going to take on single parenthood. I didn't know it was going to be single parenthood at the time. But <laughs> I um, got pregnant with my son and then me and his dad split up. And so I went into my third headship, taking on a brand new school and a brand new role, also with a baby (laughs) in tow. 
And I say this, I, I always talk about my kind of origin story in terms of school leadership to my coaches, because I think it's a really good example of uh, type A people, mm. type A women mm. who, because they can, they do. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think when I look back on that period, there was, you know, I've said this word before, but I do think there was a lot of hubris in that whole period of like, I can be a single mum and I can run a school and I can, you know, manage all of these kind of huge and complex issues that school leadership brings. And it was a real turning point for me because I couldn't actually manage it. So it was also the sort of the moment where I'd built a career on being the one who was just amazing, brilliant. Angie's great. She'll do it. She'll be able to find a solution to it. I never came up against any of the barriers around promotion that lots of other black women in my space definitely do, partly because I think I'm type A and I get on with, you know, and obviously I'm brilliant as well. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> there is that. <laughs> but I think that sort of, that kind of self-concept was really hit by the fact that I couldn't yes. do that as well as I wanted to. Your whole identity shifts in that yeah. moment. Oh, and just feeling like a bad mum as well as yeah. a bad leader and all of those things. So I left that role and I went into my fourth headship, which was an interim post. And I sort of reinvented myself, basically. I took it as an opportunity to just do all the things that I wish I'd been able to do from, uh, you know, with real integrity. And, and I took it as an opportunity because I was just there for a year and I knew I was there for a year to be quite bold. Mm. I'd been put in place actually to do a couple of things. And one of them was a really unpleasant job, which was restructuring the organisation. And I remember going into that kind of conversation about me taking on the role and the person that I was going to end up working for was somebody that I'd known for a long time. And he said, how do you feel about taking on a, a headship? And I'd, I'd kind of said the week before, that's it, I'm done. I'm never doing another headship. <laughs> and then when we had a conversation, I was like, oh, okay. If you put it like that, then maybe just a year, maybe I could just do a year. And I said, look, I'm going to bring myself. So I'm going to bring myself as the parent of a toddler and I'm going to be going home at four in the afternoon. And, you know, all of those things, which was liberatory, to say the least, for, for the people pleaser in me. And he also said, you need to restructure the staff. I was like, OK, that's, you know, challenging. But, you know, the people pleaser in me is going to be challenged by that. But OK, we can do that. And then he also said, how do you feel about being um, shadowed for the year? Because the BBC are going to come in and do make a documentary about the school system. <laughs> so <laughs> how would how, that? I was like, OK, so... I spent a year reinventing myself as a leader and being followed by the BBC who were making a documentary about our group of schools and basically about the failing education system mm. in the UK. That was called School and I was the sassy brown head who kind of <laughs> did sassy brown head things <laughs> with sassy children. And at the end of that, I mean, it was a really, really good experience, but I sort of realized that also I had a voice, you know, a kind of yes. leadership voice that was about the sector and really having a camera in your face and having somebody say, what do you think about the fact that you haven't got enough money to pay for the roof of this building really kind of forced me to yeah. take a stand and to choose a side, which I really think is interesting because I'd spent 20 years probably not taking a stand or a side, but yes. being a really good person that was able to navigate things and, you know, maneuver myself into the right position. Mm. And so at the end of that program, there was a sort of flurry of interest in what I had to say about the education system, which led to me writing my book for Bloomsbury, 
lighting the way case for ethical leadership in schools. That was kind of how I set my stall out was around what does it really look like to to lead with ethics at the front and Mm -hmm. very much informed by being a mum, being a black woman in the system, working with children who were really marginalised in the system and working with families who were really marginalised in the system in the UK. And then the book led to the TED talk and that kind of there was a sort of period where I realized oh I have a voice and I can use it and people are interested in hearing it like I'm a thought leader now right yeah yeah and so that was kind of just at the end of my time I didn't know it was the end of my time in school leadership but there were definitely things about the system that I noticed were cracking and that I didn't feel I could get behind and during that period, I, I have lots of people reach out to me. Lots of women reach out to me and say, yeah. I'm so inspired that you get up there and you talk about being a mum and being a school leader and that you talk about leading in a way that's really different to the narrative out there of what school leadership should look like. And in the UK, our school sector is populated by white men and Many of them are doing a good job and some of them are not doing a great job. But I know so many women who would be doing a better job. Mm-hmm. So they were like, can you can you coach me? Can you help me get into school leadership? You know, I really want your support. And so I, I kind of fell into coaching women um, who were interested in getting into school leadership and who wanted to lead with heart and wisdom and kindness to themselves, really. And so my first, the first iteration of, of my business was called Nourished Collective. And it was about that. It was about ethical leadership for women who wanted to, to lead great organisations in which everybody felt nourished. So at that point, just at the end of that kind of fourth and final headship, took on a, an executive leadership role for a period. Then we had this little thing over in Europe called Brexit. And then we had to make a quick decision <laughs> about my first little political thing got in the way of my business, which which kind of prompted me. Um, we were making decisions as a family around where we wanted to live and, and whether we wanted to stay in the UK. And a long story short, we ended up moving to Denmark as a very modern family unit with my parents and my sister and my ex and like everybody. So everybody's here. And I set up my company formally kind of took the leap that I probably wouldn't have taken if I had had longer to think about Mm it it was a you know an environmental change that basically said okay so now you have to run your own business and it needs to make money so I set up my company formally in September 2019 and continued to coach women and lots of people kind of saying it would be really great if you could extend that work that you're doing with women to other protected characteristics so could you come and do some anti-racism work with us or could you come and help us with our policies and because people knew me as a school leader and as a former kind of principal they sort of knew my organizational brain could probably wrap its head around some of the challenges that they were having so I was invited into schools and based on my kind of reputation and the sort of network I had at the time And then this little, uh, and I was kind of thinking, oh, how am I going to run this business? Because I have to keep flying back to the UK. And it's really challenging to get schools to use online platforms to meet me. And I was like, there's this great thing. It's called Zoom. You're going to love it. They were all, no, it's not going to work. And then this little COVID thing happened. And so suddenly (laughs) 
I mean, honestly, I think sometimes things just happen for my benefit. So it's like Brexit happened to push me into being a a sort of small business owner. And then COVID happened and it just, you know, the, the kind of moment of synergy with yeah, needing to to work online and other people needing to work online and, and schools as institutions really acclimating to new ways of working just met my business at the perfect time. And, you know, this is sort of horrible sequence of events really is COVID and then the murder of George Floyd, all of which happened in that kind of spring of 2020 yeah. and all of which really then ended up shaping what was, work, you know, the uh, an idea that I had about, doing ethical leadership is diversity, equity, inclusion work. We need to infuse all of our schools with this became an imperative that was actually pretty external. So suddenly it was like, no, you have to do this work with our school. We need you to come and do this work with us. And being luminary was born. So the focus completely shifted. There was a period of time where I tried to do all of the things, obviously, um, and then realised I actually really needed to sort of specialize synthesize all of the work that I'd been doing over the 20 years and just offer diversity equity inclusion consulting and coaching in education institutes which is what I do so amazing I <laughs> love your story so much because it's just like it's all the stuff that we as business owners like don't want to be true to an extent where it's like it, some you just can't plan it it just happens yeah. in these ways that you cannot foresee and cannot plan and I think yeah. we all want to push against that sometimes but it's like yeah. when you hear a story like that it's like you could have never like made the plan foreseen that but it's like it happened exactly as it should for you and that's why yeah. you're like doing the work you're meant to do and that you love and whatever but like how in the world did that sequence yeah. of events show up to make that happen it's crazy yeah. right it's so incredible. And I, I always talk to my clients about a trade of breadcrumbs, whether yes. it's whether, you yes. know, the way that they organize their their own institutions, the the things that happen in their institutions are part of the trail of breadcrumbs that have been left by others. And when I look at the trail of breadcrumbs and I think of all of the things that have happened in my career that I haven't wanted, the kind of leadership trials that I've really thought, I cannot get through this year. I can't, like all of those different things. When I look at it now, that is the body of work. It's yes. like I could do nothing, just talk about the things that I've done. Yes. And that feels like that feels like the basis for the business. And I just didn't have that concept as I was doing it. It's so it's so lovely to get the opportunity to tell my story because it just reminds me that there has yes. been maybe universal method, if not my method, in getting to the point that I am now. So cool. Okay. So next question, which I think is actually a funny, like follow up from this story is why did you want to work together? And I think it's funny because I remember messaging you and when you applied and being like, yeah, I mean, like, you're amazing, but like, are you sure I can help you? Cause like, I don't know shit about schools in the UK and then, and then you were like, yeah, not the point. And you were so yeah, beautiful about explaining, you know, like what you're desire for support is but yeah share with us a little bit about like what made you want Mm. to work together I think especially because I do think for people it can be confusing to feel like oh I'm like only supposed to work with like a niche that like I know everything about and so I think Mm. that's helpful to hear Mm. yeah well I've been listening to you for a long time and I I think because 
my niche is so sort of specific yes. really there isn't anyone really there isn't a coach doing that yes. there isn't there isn't a funnily enough a coach who's coaching people who are doing DEI consultancy in schools so you end up listening to a lot of people and trying to apply yes. the kind of broader structures and the broader principles of the work of running a business expanding a business scaling a business to what you're doing and I think there are I've really felt in the last year the pressure of trying to scale and grow, but also to manage the self-created systems and processes that have gotten me to this point. Mm -hmm. Because when there isn't anyone in your niche, you just do what you think (laughs) you should be doing without any structure at all. And I think that that works into a certain point yeah. and I've met you at the point where it's stopped working where the things that have gotten me here obviously they won't get me to the next point but even they're a little bit shonky and then <laughs> kind of how do we get to the next really needs another brain and needs me to be able to look at my brain in a different way there's a limit to how much self-coaching I can do and there's a limit to you know I've told you I, I'm a human design I'm a manifester, a stunning manifester. So I kind of have impulses to do things and to create things. And to a large extent, they've been really helpful. But they don't give me much structure. Mm. And I don't have the opportunity very often to see back what I'm creating. There's very, you know, there isn't a mirror. And often I think when you're in a niche, having the niche give you the mirror isn't very helpful yes. because they're all doing exactly the same thing as well so actually it's not necessarily that great to have people who work in in it talking about it because we've created something in particularly in the education sector that is so narrow and that has so little possibility and so little magic available in it that people are kind of ground down and don't want to work in it anymore mm. and my work is constantly trying to elevate people from that so really I've been looking for somebody that I can work with who doesn't have that, doesn't bring any of that, but can support me in the idea that this is no longer a human person who's just been a head teacher who's kind of continuing on the work with other people, but that this is a business yes. that's mm. an offering to the world and it needs to be structured as a business. It's really important actually that you don't work in it. And I think the other thing is that I came to you off the back of a really bad, <laughs> I'm feeling very bad investment and feeling very angry about having invested in a group program that was a considerable investment um looking for the advertised support from that group program which was about scaling and all of the kind Mm. of organizational pieces around running a business and I think you know I said to you that although I'm angry with the program and the investment and I'm still trying to unravel that there is something that I knew at the beginning, which was probably that a group wasn't going to be exactly right. And so one-to-one coaching is the right thing for me. And I just know that that that's the right thing for me and where I am right now. So yeah, that's why. I love it. I think it's so interesting to me because I feel like it's such a parallel off your story a little bit in terms of like following your gut, because I've think everyone will probably know this by now, but I'll just say it really quickly. So you actually came through the NFT application and we decided to do the podcast as well. And so 
both Sabrina and I, when we saw your application had like very strong intuitive, like feelings about it. But then I was like, yeah, but like, I don't know if I'm like the exact right person to help her. Like I have no knowledge of UK schools, blah, blah, blah. And then you had also said you were in another program at the time. And that Mm. I always feel a little funny about with the podcast Mm. because I never want it to be like, well, this thing told me to do this. And then you're saying Mm. this and it gets like so dicey sometimes. Right. Yeah. And so then that was another thing where I was like, oh, I don't, you know, if you already are getting the support, et cetera. And so it's just funny because it would have been so easy to be like, okay, like probably not best fit, but we've actually, so we record three coaching sessions and I'm like, like the first coaching (laughs) session we had, I was like, perfect, absolute perfection. Like we're such a good fit. I think we're going to be such a great match. Like, but I think it is like, can you sometimes be gut led when it doesn't Mm. always make the most sense? But I also want to give both of us credit for like talking through a lot of this before we started Mm. too, because I think that's what sometimes people don't do in coaching is like, I messaged Angie and said, Hey, like, how can I, how do you see me specifically helping? What kind of support are you looking for? And she was like super transparent about that. And then I said, you know, Hey, you know, you're in this other program. How do you see these fitting together? Tell me about that. She was super transparent about that. So I think, you know, always being willing to have those conversations is a good illustration here, but yes, I, I Mm. so appreciate that. And I think it's going to be really helpful for people to see how this can work outside of just like, I know everything about what you're doing, but to me, and this is what I like loved about what you said is it, that's not the point. You want to be coached. You don't want to be told what mm. to do. You know your industry better than anyone, right? Yeah. You want to yeah. be coached. You want to have reflection. You want to have outside opinion, like stuff like that. So I feel like it's like, we're yeah. almost getting back to like what coaching actually is versus how <laughs> it kind of gets like bastardized in our space for like telling someone else what to do all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's so funny because you said to me, I think in the first or second session, you know, what, what didn't work about the uh, yeah. previous session? And I was like, what do you want from me? And I listed a load of things. And, and then <laughs> she was like, okay, so I think what you're saying is you want to be coached. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. Yeah. I think that's what I was saying. That's pretty much it. Like not. Yeah. Okay. That works. <laughs> not all of these other things. Yes. coaching. Yeah. So funny. Okay. So then tell us why why you wanted to be on the podcast. Cause I feel like you were always a strong mm. yes to the podcast. Like that mm. wasn't something that you had a lot of reservation around or anything yeah. like that. So tell us why no. the podcast. So I think the podcast is just, I love listening to the podcast because I love hearing the multitude of, you kind of talked about this on the live stream yesterday, actually, the kind of the big emotions, the moving mm. between like, sometimes it's this and sometimes it's this and all of that being completely normalized through listening to another woman's experience of doing it and I feel like when I listen to your podcast it's just a like it's an amazing body of work that just bears witness to women running businesses in ways that are true to how human beings actually (laughs) are yeah it's like that's what it's like and so it demystifies a lot of the perfection mm. and but also embraces all of the perfection of you know the success and and the not success all of that so there's something about that that's really important to me it's like being like contributing to that i just feel is a real honor and because i don't run you know a kind of coaching business or a typical i guess consultancy even 
And because I work in the public sector, I mean, you know, arguably not not 100%, but it also feels like my business and the way that I work is evidence that there are other models mm, as well. Yes, and, yes. you know, you don't have to have come through a particular route to, to end up running your own business. So often people talk about becoming coaches and they, they maybe talk about moving from corporate into coaching or consultancy. And my version of corporate is basically working as a civil servant. You know, it's not really corporate, but it kind yes. of is. Yes. Mm. And it mirrors things that other people maybe do in, in the typical coaching industry kind of models. But I always say to the women that I've worked with that there is just so much possibility. Like it's not a zero-sum game. You can do, you could basically write down any random thing and decide that that's what you're going to do and then run a business doing it. And that's what I feel like I've done. So I'm really happy to share that journey just to say to anyone who's thinking, yeah, but I'm a this or like I'm a nurse yeah. or I'm a you know firefighter or whatever. Yeah, there's also a model out there for you that's going to be absolutely brilliant and a gift and people are going to want it. Oh, I love that. That's so good. I hope that is the takeaway. Yes. I think it's also so interesting how you almost like, I'm sure it's not the same in any way, shape or form, but it's like, you almost have experience of what this feels like having been shadowed in that documentary of like mm, what it looks yeah. like to like be shadowed yeah. in your work and run it and like shown mm. in that way. So I love that this is like, it's obviously like a thread in your life that you like being yeah. that. I mean, duh. Luminary, yeah. right? But you like being yeah. that light and showing that. And I feel like this is just like a yeah. way that you can do that. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I haven't really thought about that kind of year with the camera and then this year. Mm. Um, <laughs> and then this year with the microphone. Yeah. I do feel like I'm seeking it and I seek the sort of public accountability and I seek the what's really sometimes it's difficult to get beyond the blocks around you know visibility I still think as a as a black woman I have visibility blocks mm-hmm. I still have that kind of oh you know really showing up and being seen and being heard and doing the thing in public yes helps push me through some of that so I never fear situations like this I really I'm really motivated actually by public accountability <laughs> weirdo um <laughs> I love that though. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I think sometimes like it is a mindset thing, but sometimes we have to put ourselves in the action of that and then our mindset catches up. And I think that's what you're saying here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And just one thing I I didn't say a moment ago, it's been about the partnership model, which again, I hadn't really thought about in Mm. a lot of detail, but I've been thinking about it. One of the things that really, you know, the kind of, why did I want to work with you? Yeah. It was the partnership model, but it was in, a, it was like a funny way that I read the partnership model. And that is to have somebody who is invested. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean because it's like, haha, how much money can I make? But I mean, invested in making it work. I, I feel your investment in making things work doesn't ever feel monetary monetary to me yes yes you know but there is something about sharing the success of it that really appeals to me just as an individual to imagine that I had done something with your help that had created even more in the world that I can then share the success with somebody else is just a really warming feeling and I think as as a solo entrepreneur as a 
solo business owner, there is so much loneliness mm. around building it. And it can be like, great, you're going to get the big fat paycheck at the end of it. You're going to win. It's going to be amazing. But actually, you really miss out on the sharing. And as somebody that's run schools and has been in yeah. massive communities, like I've had 200 people in my team and I've had like great big communities to share success with, I miss that element so much. So there's another thing there about partnering with somebody that is really yes. different about your model, which explicitly is about kind of partnership. I feel that so much too. Like similarly, like I find so much more joy in it. Not even that I like coach different, but just the feeling mm. behind it feels yeah. really different. And I think that's, that's true. That's my experience for sure too. So good. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. So tell us what goals you kind of came in wanting to accomplish. Like in our time on this season, what feels like really present for you? Yeah. So I think they've already shifted in the time, in the three sessions. I think what became evident pretty quickly (laughs) 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 was uh, the need for me to uh, build a team. Yeah. So sort of building on that collaboration and partnership piece, really. I think getting a team in place so that I can manage the business in a way that feels good to me because it has been feeling really burdensome is the key goal and even talking about it over the last three sessions even though I'm feeling you know pretty maxed out it's still opening up space (laughs) in my brain to go oh okay I would really love to build this LinkedIn presence. I know it's weird. I really want to kind of build a a regular, consistent presence around social media and and LinkedIn. So I've got team, I've got some sort of regular and consistent presence. And I have started the journey of operationalizing things in a more effective way. And more and more I think about team, the more and more I think about how there are going to be some really key standard operating procedures, metrics that would be really helpful to understand, pieces that help me lead better, that would be valuable. I think our time would be valuably spent on. Yes, I love that. I agree with that. I think that, you know, it's so, I think, refreshing to hear that for people probably because I feel like every, you know, thing in our industry kind of pushes to like the goal should be monetary the goal should be this and it's like I think you're kind of in a place where you're like I got the monetary thing I need like the structure that like holds that up and supports that and lets it continue to funnel through that and I'm okay taking the time to like focus on that and build that and I think that a lot of people don't give themselves permission to do that and so I think this is like helpful to hear because it's so easy to kind of be like next thing, next thing, next thing, instead of like, I need the business to actually function in a way that supports me to get to the next thing without burning out, you know? Yeah. And I I really want to reach the next monetary goal, which I have a 500k monetary goal in my sites as the next bit, which I think is totally achievable if I do certain things and it's not if I don't. So for me, it's like, anything's possible if we can do this next bit of work really well. Yes. Yeah. I agree with that. That's where I'm at. So good. Okay. So tell us what life is like for you, right? Like tell us, I mean, you kind of did a little bit like you are living in Denmark, you're a mom, like just tell us a little bit about like life day to day. 
So I live in on a small island in the Baltic Sea. <laughs> and whenever I go anywhere, I have to get a ferry and a train and a plane <laughs> if I'm going abroad. So it's kind of, yeah, I'm not remote exactly, but it's, I'm living out there. I live with my nine-year-old son and I also live in the same building as my parents. And I have a, I mean, I live basically in one of those kind of Scandi, it's not noir, it's like a summertime Scandi drama, if you can imagine, <laughs> little beach huts, <laughs> white sands, beach huts, you know, our house is thatched, we've got, oh, you know, yes. I mean, that's basically yes. what I live in, it's ridiculous, and I have my sister here as well, I, I think partly because of the guilt of being a parent who went back to work when my son was five months old, I've become increasingly wedded to working at home. Didn't mm, used to be like this. Yeah. I used to love going out and being at work. And I have an office actually nearby, but I rarely use it. So I'm <laughs> I'm to be found in a very tiny corner of a room, as you can see right now, <laughs> kind of doing the work in a way that just feels peaceful to me, which is at home, close to the kid. And, you know, he's off to school and then back to school. And I'm always here, which which feels really good at the moment. That rural idyll is punctuated by then trips to the UK to work with clients and trips to Southeast Asia to work with clients. So there's quite a bit of travel and sort of logistics around that. I love being away and traveling and love seeing people. I love hugging people. I love working with people face to face. I love talking to people face to face. And I can't imagine cutting that work out yeah. because it I just love it so much but there's still a balance that needs to be struck mm -hmm. around how I do that so yeah life is just I mean when I look back over the last few years life is ridiculously good it's paradise I live in paradise I can pretty much do what I like and yeah there's just no complaints here really <laughs> Although I managed to complain all day, every day. But there's technically no complaints. Like, I can find them, don't worry. <laughs> but it's I can great. them out, but it's fine. I think that we talked about this in a, in a session, but I think it, there's just, like, such a challenge or a dichotomy, right, of being a parent who wants to be a really present parent who also wants to, like, make an impact on the world and go out and do yeah. things. And there's just always a push-pull there. And I think we want to pretend like there's not, or we want to pretend like there's yeah. this hack to it. And there, I think like the normalization you're bringing is that like life is so great and juicy. And sometimes I do have this constant yeah. push pull between that. And I'm so happy when I'm in either place, but it doesn't, you yeah. know, it doesn't feel hard. And I think that mm. being able to like have the nuance of that explained mm. or shown, I think is so helpful mm. because if not, we feel like we're wrong. We're like, Oh, why do I feel so guilty leaving my child? Why do I feel so you know, compelled to go and travel and work. Mm. And it's like, I think there's just all of these things at play for all of us. And, you know, naming that is really valuable. Yeah. I also just, as a parent to a boy, a little, I mean, he's still my baby boy. And even though he's massive and he's mine, <laughs> I mean, I've never been a, I'm going to stay at home and like look at my child person. It's just never, it was not even, it wasn't even a consideration before I had him. It was like, oh, like I'm going to have a child, but him being a child and being, you know, somebody that I birthed lives alongside my life. And yeah. I've always had that. I've never felt, I, 
<laughs> he'll tell you. He'll tell anyone. You know, I wish she played with Lego more with me. There's like massive gaps in my parenting that are not that I have to reconcile with the presentation of motherhood in the world, mm-hmm. which is so weaponized mm-hmm. by women often <laughs> against yes. women. But in the world, so there is so little diversity of what it means to be a mother or a parent available to us that it's very easy to feel guilty and as though we're not doing enough. So I want to be clear, because when I say I'm here when he goes to school, I walk into the, you know, we walk to the bus, all of those things, I'm here when he gets home. That doesn't mean that I'm present. Mm. It means I'm here. And for me, the kind of the presence is something I still have to work on like every other parent, the Mm -hmm. actual presence of I'm sitting, we're talking, we're engaging. And I feel very human. And I feel like that's a big gap for me because Mm. I can be so, I find it so easy to slip into presence in work. And I find it much harder to slip into presence as a mother. So just, yeah, human, human being alert. I love you so much. Thank you for sharing that. No, I think that like, that's the stuff we all need to hear because it's the truth, you know, like, or, or at the very least it's, it's a version of the truth that many people experience. And I think that, like you said, it's so easy to not see that. I think no one is going to say that on like social media in a perfect little Mm. thing. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's just like glorious to have these spaces to (laughs) name that, share that, normalize that. Okay, so I'll ask you these kind of together because I do wonder mm-hmm. if they're a similar answer or different. But what are you most excited about? And then what are you most freaked out about? So I think, yeah, I think they're the same thing. <laughs> the <Yeah>. accountability, <laughs> exciting, freakish. The being held to account, you know, even in the last week, the kind of, it's so exciting because I can feel the momentum already. Mm. You put in pace camp, do this. And I'm like, I'm not going to just do it. I'm going to double do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> there is that high achiever. Yeah. <laughs> so just for me, it's like, wow, the, the momentum that could be gathered just by somebody telling me to do the things that we talked about in a coaching session. Um, but it's also frightening. And it's also, you know, this, this expansion, it feels like having you and others here witness this expansion into a new way of doing things is just it's like a gift but it's also really really terrifying in a sense because I don't know what's on the other side of it or what it's going to look like mm-hmm. and then a part of me I think I'm okay with it now but I don't know who in my clients would you know and this is no disrespect Lacey but I don't know if any of my clients will listen to this podcast totally. so. mm-hmm. But there is still the kind of, oh, what if they do? And what if they hear me talking about my money goals? And what if they hear me talking about them? Not in the, she's so loving. She's our Angie. She's our special person. She loves us. And she just works with us. Isn't it cozy? And talking about them more as clients, of which there are many, of which, you know, we're scaling into working with differently. So I think for myself, concept, there's also the shifting from lovely, cozy Angie into a business owner, a CEO who is running an organization is a journey that I'm really scared about, excited about, very happy to have partnership for. Yes. Does that make sense? Absolutely. (laughs) It usually is the same thing, right? Like it's Mm. like, this is both what's exciting me and freaking me out. And that's how I know that's where I like have opportunity and get to stretch and grow. Mm. But like, of course, both emotions are there. The last thing that I think you and I had talked about that I would love to bring to this conversation too, is that you're also kind of like holding a 
you know, a new experience here on the podcast, right? Being our first mm. DEI business for sure. Yeah. Definitely being um, our first black woman on the podcast. Like I think yeah. there's like, you know, something that comes with that too. Like what does that experience feel like so far in terms of like, is that something that's really exciting for you? Is that something that yeah. feels like it brings some responsibility? Like what is that? Yeah, it's... <laughs> Just so that you know, my version of responsibility is always to use the word sovereignty and go everyone yes. for themselves. <laughs> We're all completely sovereign. So yes. I feel like, so an interesting thing with the recent investment in coaching that didn't go so well that I'm trying to unravel has been that I see black coaches and black women business owners in this industry, in very, you know, in the kind of industry surrounds trying to find a place and trying mm. to find a kind of where will my concerns be understood mm -hmm. and I feel like whenever I invest in something I'm almost because you know race is so visible obviously you're sort of putting your lot in with somebody and often that is used as a look there's you know I've got all of these black people doing mm, what I'm doing and yes yes you know you've got to be so careful about those sorts of buying decisions because you're almost affirming to the next person who isn't quite yet at that income level yeah that's just going to be something jo yeah. jump aboard you know you should do this too and that's been something that's plagued me in a sense in mentally throughout my career like when I say it's safe to be a black female head teacher because I'm doing it I'm essentially saying to the line of people who are still teachers who are still thinking about becoming teachers that it's safe to do what I'm mm. doing but I knew it was not safe so I was yes. constantly doing that it's actually not safe here but I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna tell you the ways that you could make it safer or yes. you know so I, I guess I don't feel a sense of responsibility but I do feel like I'm aware that obviously I don't I don't know what the experience of being racialized as white is like but I know that as somebody that's racialized as brown that you just you kind of see each other in different places and you become very visible and people become aware that maybe this is safe harbor and I think it is I think you know your the space that you've created is really safe for everybody and I feel like there's something changing in the industry anyway and this awareness that everybody maybe is trying to bring to mm -hmm. coaching and into the space that good leadership and showing up as a great person in the world and as a good coach is just going to require a bigger sphere of influence a bigger circle a, you know different kinds of conversations and so if I can participate in having different conversations and widening a sphere then then all the better yes. I love being the first woman of color on the podcast obviously because I'm love to be first <laughs> in anything <laughs> just you number one I mean, yeah you know <laughs> groundbreaking all of that sort of stuff that's yes. all great I'm really pleased that you that we, like we talked about it and before we kind of started yes. you know before we decided on yes that we could go ahead with this I asked you directly you know how does it feel to be supporting a woman of color and we you know how would that feel for you and you were really open with me about the work that you've been doing on it and you know my approach as a diversity equity inclusion consultant is always is human first. It's no blame, no shame, no guilt. Like we're all just trying to rub along better together on the planet. And if we can have the sort of depth of conversation that allows for, you know, either party, any party ever to go, oh yeah, okay, that's interesting. I hadn't seen it from that perspective. Then I feel like I'm, 
you know, that's like tick. That's great. And that for me is what coaching is about. And that's what my, my work is about. I love that. I'm going to share something that I didn't really consider sharing this statement. I feel like it's so relevant to what we're talking about right now, which is like, that actually was a little bit of a concern of mine. What you said about the, like now it's almost like you're saying, and yes, this is a safe space because obviously Mm. I, I, that is so important to me, but also I don't necessarily want to feel like that's the message I'm sending. Mm. Is that like, oh, I'm a hundred percent of a safe space no Mm. matter what. I know I'm doing my work. I know I'm like doing my stuff, but like, can any of us that are, are not black or brown Mm. really say that we're a hundred percent of a safe Mm. space all the time? No, I think like from my perspective and understanding, Mm. I think the work is being able to say like, I'm doing everything I can to be. And like, I'm not going to pretend like that. So that was a concern of mine personally too, is not kind of being like, oh, and look, now I am like yeah. so good and a hundred percent great at that. Like I'm not. And I think like, that's the point here is that you are always welcome to share if that is not true. Mm. And mm. that gets to be recorded too, if it's not, but like, it, it's about us doing the work together and about like, yeah. also not shying away from that either. If I, I think also not being like, well, then I can't because I know I won't do it 100% perfect. Like, that's not the point either. But there is such like an interesting mix in that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you talked about, I don't know if I'm the right person because I don't know about the education sector and I don't know about your niche. And, you know, race or identity can often become that thing. Like, I don't know if I know enough about your thing to be able to coach you. I hear a lot in the coaching industry which basically means there are just loads of people who are looking for a coach because no one is going to know enough about their experience. And I do think that there's a place for, you know, like maybe, you know, well, certainly there is a place for if someone were looking for a therapist and they were racialized as black or brown and they wanted to see a therapist who was also racialized in a similar way because there were, you know, certain things that come up that really do need to be looked at through maybe more of a kind of psychology lens or a different lens. But I think... You know, back to sovereignty, isn't it? It's like, it feels so good for me to be able to say, I just have a question about this. How would you feel about this? And then to be able to be empowered to make the decision myself. Like I can also say, I don't think Lacey's the right person because she didn't seem to, you know, I don't know, whatever the thing somebody might be looking for. Yeah. But I feel like people always, and certainly when it comes to the coaching industry, and, you know, I would say it with my consulting as well, we need to be able to, assert what we think we're going to need in order for a space to be safe for us Mm. and then people need to be able to respond with responsibility you know as you did to say well I'm doing my work but you can't also be held responsible for the work you haven't done yet or the work of your community or Mm. you know that's not in your gift but I think if we can just be responsible enough as practitioners to say this is where I'm at and I I regularly as a DEI consultant say I have so many blank spots around so many dimensions of the different protected identities that I would want you to know that. And I would want you to know that this is the way of talking to me about it if I get it wrong. Yes. And I also want you to know that if you don't feel that you have the resilience or the capacity to cope with people getting it wrong, I totally get it. And, you know, maybe find somebody who does have that lived experience who can support you. Mm. And then people can make their own decisions. Yes. Which is empowering for everybody. <laughs> you just gave us a whole nother TED talk. Yes, I <laughs> think that that is so, gosh, like you just almost said what I feel like everyone is like trying to say in different ways. Mm. And you just said it in the most like beautiful and succinct way, which is like, there is choice. There are mm. both options. 
but like leaning into the options is yeah. the, is the opportunity yes. for all of us instead of being like, I might not do this perfectly. Yeah. I'm out. It's like, I yeah. actually probably won't. And so here's how yeah. that looks and here's how that goes. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also feel like having had that conversation before we even started coaching, it literally takes it off the table. For me, yeah. it's like, it's not, that's not a dimension of my, yes, I'm a brown woman. Yes. I, you know, there were going to be things that I'm going to say to you. Probably I had an interaction with this client and it was really annoying because of this, but it doesn't, for me, it's like, I just need to test out the space and go, mm-hmm. will I feel okay in that space? And then it isn't a massive thing for me. So I'm interested to see over the course of six months. <laughs> so funny that you think you're only working with me for six months. But anyway, it's interesting to see. <laughs> I feel like all your feel. But it is interesting to, you know, to maybe look back on how much that actually came up in any of our coaching sessions yes. or how little. Mm. Absolutely. I think that will be such a good unfolding and a good thing for everyone to see. And like, again, like a place for like open dialogue about that, that like doesn't always get shown in the Mm. way that you're able to like articulate it here. So I am so excited for this season. I (laughs) adore you. I feel like this is going to be so useful. I think that you have such like what I think you're bringing that I don't think we've had before on literally is just like the expansive like background you have like you're like I have this talk I have this book I have this expertise I have that expertise I've been in this talk like and I think to see how all of that can shape together I think is Mm. really really helpful in a way that like a lot of people that are manifestors think like how can it all come together and I think you've you've done that really well and you have a really Mm. good thread of that and so I think showing that and then showing like all of these other dimensions that we've been Mm. talking about is just so exciting to me so Thank you for being here. Thank you for this. And thank you for like being willing to do this for everybody. I say this every season, but like, it is not easy to be the coachee who's having everything recorded for the podcast. Like let's, let's name that. <laughs> Send Angie's love. Cause that is not for the fate of heart. And just thank you for doing this. Such a pleasure. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you for having me. Amazing. All right, guys, we are so excited for you to dive into session one. Bye y'all. Bye. Thank you for listening to Literally. I am forever grateful to you for being part of our journey and spending your time with us each week. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast, so please leave us a review. Each month, I'll be picking a reviewer to give my MSC bundle to as a thank you for listening. This bundle combines trainings and workbooks that walk you through a condensed version of the work I do with my one-on-one clients through my mindset strategy and execution framework. And remember, sharing is caring. If you know someone who'd benefit from this podcast on their own entrepreneurial journey, please share it with them. What I know we need more of in this world is women living lit up lives and running businesses they love and are beautifully compensated for. And if you want more tips and strategies for growing and scaling your own business, but are short on time, then you are going to want to opt into my private podcast feed, Back Pocket Business Mentor. You'll get immediate access to a private podcast feed full of tons of three minute episodes where I talk about everything from how to pick a strategy and business model that works for you to how to show up online as an expert and increase your conversions. Just go to a lituplife.com forward slash back pocket to dive in.